Creating a Stellar Client Experience with Jared Upton, Episode 17. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Profit with Law. I am your host, Moshe Amsel, and today I have a bonus episode for you with another great interview. Um, This one's an absolute treat from Jared Upton. Now, Jared Upton is COO and senior consultant at Herbers & Company, and he brings over 16 years of experience in management strategy, client experience, operations, training, and consulting of advisory firms from startups to multi-location, multi-billion advisory firms to provide solutions that impact positive growth. Jared is a published author in his prior roles and contributor and blogger for thinkadvisor.com. He has also completed the intensive executive leadership program through Charles Schwab. He holds an MBA and an MS in personal financial planning. As well, he is a certified financial planner, a CFP. That is the official bio that um, I'm supposed to read to you. But as you'll soon find out in this episode, um, Jared is a guru when it comes to the client experience that you create. And the client experience is so important because how people experience you is how they're going to go out into the world and talk about you. And we experience it every day. Uh, One of the best examples is restaurants. If somebody wants to go to a restaurant, they turn around, they ask you, hey, have you ever eaten at this and this place? And if you answer yes, then they're going to say, what do you think? Now, usually there's one of two ways to answer that question. Um, It was great or "Eh, I wasn't so excited about it. But when you say "Eh, I wasn't so excited about it, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the food or are you thinking about the service that you were provided? Um, I recently went to Manhattan for my daughter's 18th birthday, and we went out to a restaurant um, on Broadway. It was a place that she chose, and honestly, the food was absolutely delicious. Um, And if I was rating it based on the food, I'd be telling everybody to go there. However, the service was atrocious. And because of that, if somebody asks me about going to that restaurant, That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the service was terrible. So when you go out there in the marketplace and you're providing professional services, you're providing a deliverable to your clients, the experience that they receive on their end is absolutely golden. And that is your ticket. That is your ability to either monetize and and monopolize your practice area, the specific uh, thing that you're really good at, and take take ownership of that and have your name being dropped every time somebody asks, hey, who should I go to for this, as opposed to providing, even if you're not providing a bad experience, just providing a mediocre experience, it is not memorable. It is not something that people are going to turn around and say, oh, you have to go to this place. So 
um, no matter what your practice area, providing an amazing client experience is absolutely um, integral to the growth of your firm. And I think it's so important that I brought somebody who doesn't service law firms onto the show because this is what he does for a living. He helps financial advisory firms create a good client experience for their customers. And I think that the information that he provides here and the interview that we have is absolutely, absolutely golden and amazing. And if this is something that you can improve on, if you think you're struggling with it, with this, or you haven't even thought about it because you've been busy trying to figure out other pieces of your firm, like your marketing, your cash flow, hiring people, um, the client experience might have taken a back seat. This might trigger some ideas of how you can start to implement this today and not wait and not wait until the right moment because uh, there never is a right moment. It's kind of like, um, when am I going to get healthy? Um, I struggle with weight personally. Um, and I always say that I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to start exercising. Um, but still, until I actually do it, until I get out there and do it, um, nothing is going to change. And that's the same thing here. So until you get out there and, and make, make some of these changes, um, everything's going to stay the same. Uh, one of the things that Jared shares all the way at the end of the interview, his last nugget, his last tip for you is um, you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's how you attack this. So as he is throwing out ideas and as he's giving um, the, the the landscape of how to provide this great experience from end to end, understand it's gonna it might feel overwhelming, but at the end of the day, you got to attack this one bite at a time. You got to implement just one piece of it, and then once you get that, you can implement the next piece. So feel free to come back and listen to this episode over and over again. And I really hope that you enjoy it, and um, and that you get just as much out of it as I did. And without further ado, here is that interview. So, Jared, how are you? I'm doing great, Moshi. Thanks for the time today. Really appreciate taking a few moments uh, with you and your. Uh, listeners to, to have this discussion. Great. So Jared, just um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do, what what Herbers and Company does, what uh, the C COO and senior consultant at Herbers and Company does, and our audiences, you know, are law firm owners and people who are in the law firm industry. So as you explain what you do, they're going to be wondering why in the world I'm interviewing you. So don't worry about making that connection right now. They'll understand soon enough, but I'd like to know a little bit more about you. Well, great. Well, thanks. Uh, so as you heard, I've again, got two roles. I definitely wear two hats. One is the COO, the other one is senior consultant. And Herbers and Company, we're a growth and strategy consulting firm specific for the financial advisory industry. And we work with professional services organizations to help them grow and position their, uh, their firms and practices uh, as they move forward. And I do that as the senior consultant, but then as the COO, I'm also responsible for overseeing all the core operations with, uh, with Herbers and company as well. Great. So um, would an, an attorney um, actually be a client of Herbers and company for any reason? And if, if yes, what, how would that look? Well, attorney would be a client of one of our clients, theoretically. So if you've had a financial advisor or wealth management firm and someone to need to help you with your, uh, your, your money management and your, your life's goals, being a client of them. And by way of our clients who are the financial advisory firms, we help them to better position the engagement that they deliver to you. Okay. 
So um, it sounds like you are, you're helping them with creating a client experience for their clients. Is, did I get that right? Yep. You, you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's again, get, getting the client experience right for their clients. How are we impacting and improving their clients' lives while helping the organization, helping the business owner, helping those financial advisory uh, partners be able able to best engage not only their experience outside, but also making sure that they're structuring their experience inside all while again, helping their businesses to grow. So this is, this is actually a very interesting field that you're in and an interesting position you've placed yourself in. How did you end up there? Uh, what was your, what was your journey? where did you start and, and, and what made you end up uh, uh, putting yourself in this position of, of being able to advise the advisor? Well, I tell uh, a lot of the firms, I'm actually a recovering advisor. I was an advisor for a number of years. uh, And I really had a passion for thinking beyond that, thinking beyond just the clients that I was working with and wanted to do something bigger. And so in my uh, my last life, I had the opportunity to work with one of the largest uh, investment advisory firms in the country, one of the fastest growing. And I saw a lot of things that they did really well, but I also saw a lot of challenges inside as we bought a lot of advisory practices and firms. And this is through, uh, again, over 16 years of experience to get here and seeing things that I felt that worked well and things that I saw that didn't really work as well. And the biggest area for advisors is they wanted a resource. They wanted also an advocate, someone who could partner with them and help them to navigate the waters in their business firms. And this may be similar with the, uh, with attorneys is a lot of times you get in because of a passion and love for the law but they may not always have the business background and business acumen when they start running a larger law practice or law organization. Uh, And we've seen that again, a very close similarity when we're thinking about advisory practices. Yeah. It's funny because um, professional services kind of the experience runs in tandem. So uh, my background is as an accountant, we're also in professional services and I just had a doctor's appointment with my daughter. I was at and the foot surgeon that I was meeting with um, he had, prior, he had done surgery on my daughter and he was partnered with another doctor. And I, I didn't understand why he wasn't on his own. And now when we saw him again, um, he was with another, yet another doctor and he's finally talking about going on his own. And he's like, look, I, you know, I just want to come in and see patients and, and leave. And I just want to do surgeries and I just don't want to have to run the business. So I was like, oh, well, why don't you bring in an operations manager? Why don't you bring in somebody to just run it for you? And um, a company like yours for, for his practice would be perfect. So uh, there's definitely in each of our um, <laughs> professional services, there's definitely room for something like that. Because like you said, um, attorneys, uh, many of them start their practice because all they want to do is practice law, practice the thing that they that they enjoy the most. And often they're going out on their own because they weren't able to hone in on specifically what they wanted to do at the larger firm that they were a part of before that. So it's very interesting as well. Yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of that where it's as a firm grows and there's new challenges or what we could say are their growth barriers that they hit because they've had to bring on uh, partners or their client load has continued to increase and now they're having to work in compliance or they're having to work in, uh, in human capital and think about how are they hiring and developing people. 
or uh, they may be thinking about the right way to serve those in clients and it's become the business that's absorbing their time and taking them further and further away of what that passion is. And so restructuring a business and really again, having some other individuals that have opposite skill sets, to your point, bringing in a, an operations manager, an operations individual that really allows for, uh, again, whether they're a doctor or attorney or financial advisor, get back to that tip of the spear, get back to what they love and do best and that ultimately will help them to have more revenue producing focus activities and get them back into a client facing role more so. That's great. Um, so I, I think this kind of, te- kind of tees up the conversation that I really wanted to have with you. So the reason that I brought you onto the show, and, and by the way, um, I just want to mention the power of LinkedIn connections here because Jared and I have, have never met each other before just happening to get connected on LinkedIn. And I don't even know who reached out to who and and created that connection. But one of the things that I am very actively trying to do as I build connections on LinkedIn is I'm trying to get people on the phone so that we can have this face-to-face connection. Um, And I got on the phone with Jared and we had a conversation and, and he started explaining this to me. And I said, you know what, this would be perfect for my listeners. And what I heard from Jared is that he helps advisors create an absolutely stellar customer experience for their customers. And I believe that that is integral in the growth of your law firm. And I'd like Jared to start off by telling us why I believe that <laughs> that that's integral uh, for the growth and success of your law firm. Why is the customer experience so important? And I think we can start there, and then we can talk about how you can potentially create that experience for your for your clients. Sure. When you think to me, when I think about a professional services firm, or again, especially from a law perspective, and the attorneys I know I've worked with, it's not a matter of if you need to come and see an attorney, it's really when and how often, you know, if you get a will uh, drawn up, you know, life changes, family events change, you may need to get that will redrafted or updated over a series of years, the same thing again in, in a trust, or uh, if you're considering again, a business side, and you need to get corporate documents updated, and you're bringing on a partner, you have to get those things changed. And so when you think about a client experience, it's, that engagement that they will leave and they'll remember you that lasting experience and with a really well-crafted client experience what we found with our advisory uh, practices and, and this is one thing i've seen at other professional services firms as well your your clients become your best salespeople because they'll start referring business when they run into someone that has had a similar experience like theirs and they'll say, all right, you need to go and talk to such and such uh, because they help me. And so again, the helping is really the key word. They help me to solve this problem. And so we think about a client experience, it's impactful. And even if you think you only have worked with uh, an individual once in your life, you never know when that's gonna come around. I'll say one additional thing. I was talking to one of my, uh, my, my, my neighbors and they are moving uh, from our area back to another part of the country that they lived about 20 years ago. And they said the realtor that sold their house back to where they're moving is the same realtor they contacted to help them buy the house as they're relocating. And so even though it was 20 years ago, it's still, it's coming full circle. Yeah. It's very interesting 
that you use that example and you, you have to you have to wonder if they went back to that person because that's all they knew or because they had a stellar experience with them but i can tell you that if they had a horrible experience with them then they would make sure to call anybody but that yeah. realtor so yeah. there's definitely uh value in providing an okay experience and but you know certainly it's obvious that providing a stellar client experience is is really it's really key to the, to, to the growth of your business you said something interesting and that is that clients become your best salespeople. And one of the things that I try to help my, um, uh, my clients, my law firm owners that are trying to grow their practice is to go back to their existing customer base and to try to get them to provide referrals for them. And a lot of them have a lot of issues with that. Well, I can't, I don't feel comfortable asking them for that or I don't feel even even to get a, a testimonial from them I don't feel comfortable doing that so uh, what what is your thought process on that um, and do you have any any ideas or tips as to how to encourage your clients to become the salespeople or is that or is that something that just happens on its own if you provide that amazing experience well I think that it's 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 got to be intentional so if you're going through and you're engaging a client, is what's what's the intent? Is the intent just to uh, do one thing one time, or is it to communicate your value proposition or process? And what I would say in my my recommendation would be documenting out that onboarding experience is uh, one of the things that we do, and uh, and what we've seen really powerful is by having a personal conversation with a, with a client. What brings them in today? What are their values? What are their concerns? And same thing, this would transcend into the legal area as well. But then beyond that is explain to them who you are as an attorney. Who is your firm as an attorney? What's your core philosophies or values? Do those values and core philosophies, do they resonate with the end client? Tell a little bit of history about your firm, your mission, your, your founding it, because you want to tell a story and when you, and people love stories. I mean, otherwise we're not going to have these multi-million dollar blockbuster films that we go to on the weekends or going to the theaters. People want to have a story. So your story, your firm story can resonate and let people remember that story while they come in. And so that's all what I believe is part of the client experience. It's not just about solving that one thing, it's by telling the story and eliciting an emotion within the client so that they know not only are you there to help them, but you're also, you understand them because there's alignment within your organization. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you say document the onboarding experience, what should that onboarding experience look like? What, what are some of the pointers that you can give as far as some of the things that you can do up front to make that client experience stellar versus versus the other way around? Well, it, it'd be a couple of things. One, I'd encourage for it to be a replicatable process. When they're coming in, even though that every client is unique, still having a replicatable process. And I'll relate it to this. If any of the audience has ever been to a Starbucks, Starbucks has a very consistent process. And when people go and drink Starbucks, they typically go for one of two reasons, because they like the way it feels. Feeling is a composite of what the, what the coffee or tea tastes like, what it smells like, what they, what they have, and they put that white cup 
uh, with the Starbucks logo in their hand. They, I mean, the, the feeling of it. But they can go to any Starbucks in the country or in the world, and they have the same experience, even though that every individual's drink order is unique. So if you think about that premise, there's, I'd say there's five key areas um, to consider is one, what's a personal conversation look like with your client? Having uh, some key questions to understand why they came in, have they worked with an attorney before? Uh, that shows again, their level of understanding. Have they, uh, do they have any concerns and or what are their goals? What are they hoping to uh, come out with as well? Not only in the short term, but also in the long term, because again, you understand that a long-term impact may actually change what your short-term outcome is. Two is aligning what your values, either individually or with your larger law practice, is, is this the right organization for the client? Because again, you want to work with clients that want you, that they resonate with your values, as opposed to getting into an engagement and realizing you're really not the right attorney for them, or they're not the right client for you. Uh, thirdly is, What's your mission and what type of clients do you work with? Who do you serve? Are you serving more focused on uh, divorce or are you focusing on litigation or are you focused on uh, private wealth? I mean, it, those areas could completely make a big difference in your specific practice of law. And then uh, going into saying, all right, this is your process. This is how you actually define what that ex what experience looks like with the client. Is it a once and done or are they gonna come in for three meetings? Uh, and that may vary based on your area of specialty in law. And then finally, how do they actually get started? This is the close. If you want them to sign up, again, asking for the business. So knowing that these are a couple easy steps for them to get started as they move forward. And putting all of that into your initial engagement actually aligns the client. So now they can communicate to other individuals that may be looking for your services what to expect. You build that consistency. Very good. So that covers the, the onboarding experience. And one of the first things that you talk about is aligning your values and explaining who you are. Um, and I just wanted to mention a video that I share with my clients all the time when they're first starting out with me, because I think it's so important to really hone in on what it is that you're trying to accomplish in a much broader sense when you're putting yourself out there in the marketplace, because that's going to drive your that's going to drive your marketing. It's going to drive the people that you're looking for. Like if you hire, if you hire employees who are not on board with your mission, who don't have the same passion for what it is that you're passionate about, then they're not going to stick around. You're going to spend a lot of time hiring more and more people because they're leaving because they're not feeling fulfilled. They're not happy in the same way that you started your firm because you want to feel fulfilled and you want to feel happy. Your employees need to be that way too. So, um, Knowing what you stand for, knowing what not just the core values, but what the underlying mission is and what you're trying to achieve, what, what's the mark that you're trying to leave on this world, you're able to hone in on that. It's going to completely identify everything that you bring to the table the client facing experience, how you're talking to them, the marketing that you're putting out there and the, and the employees that you're bringing on. So the video that I share is from Simon Sinek and oh, yeah. I'm sure that you're very familiar with him. Mm -hmm. So basically it's on YouTube and it's called how great leaders inspire action. You could just go to YouTube. It'll also be linked up in the show notes. So you can go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash and the episode number. And this is three digits zero. I'm just not sure what episode this is going to be as we're recording this. So it'll probably <laughs> be one seven, 
But uh, just you know, take a look in your podcast player as you're listening to this, and you'll see uh, what the episode number is. So profitwithlaw.com forward slash, and then the episode number. And we'll link up that YouTube video so you don't have to remember it. But it's a short video. It's 18 minutes long. And he does a really good job of explaining exactly why this is so important and how to start to identify what that is for you. So I really thought that that was spot on with the way that that I am guiding my uh, law firm clients as well. And this this five-step process was really helpful. And it sounds to me like these these all can happen in the initial phone call or the initial consultation that you're doing with the client. So by the time you're done with that consultation, you, your client should know exactly whether you're the right fit for them and vice versa. You should know whether the client's the right fit for you. And um, tell me if you disagree with me, but if the client doesn't meet those initial checkboxes, like if, if you're talking to them and your mission is to do X and they want to do Y, you shouldn't be going for the close. Right? You don't want to just get clients for the sake of getting clients. You should recognize that they're not the right person for you. They're not the right client. Even though you spent money to get them in the door, you figured out like your marketing paid to get them in the door. And you, it, it's a very, very tough thing to say, this is not the right client for me. But you're really saving yourself by eliminating the bad experiences before they even happen. Um, and we all know what bad clients are like. So somebody who's not aligned with what you're trying to do is not going to be happy with what you're providing. And you're going to end up in a situation where they're unhappy and dissatisfied, which means they're either paying their bills late, they don't want to pay, they want their money back, they're leaving you negative reviews, they're harassing you, you know, they, they're your nightmare clients. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I don't know if you agree with that and, and you have specific um, opinions on, on that re- in that regard. Uh, I, I do. I completely agree with it. I mean, the other thing that you, you didn't mention, but I would say is another effect is when you turn away a client because they're not the right client you can conv- convey to them, often you can engage them even further because now they're going to respect you because you don't want to waste their time. You don't want to, you don't want, obviously you don't want them to waste your time, but I would rather someone tell me up front to say, you know what, you're not the right client for me, but let me refer you to these two other attorneys or another uh, firm that is the right firm for you. And, there's, there, there's three ways that you can t- uh, go into the process. As often you can tell, you can show, or you can do. And I would imagine that the, 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 uh, the attorneys and the legal firms that are um, listening on your clients, they're more on the telling. Mostly. I'm not sure if you have many folks that are going and showing you, let me show you an example will or example trust, or they're actually even drafting a preliminary one before they're actually going for the close. But that all takes time as opposed to really being very clear to your point, and after you get off that consultation, you're going to know, are they moving forward or not moving forward uh, uh, to the point? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree with you. I, I'm not an advocate of providing free services. Um, even free consultations, unless it's you're blowing it out of the water with them, I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think that you should be charging upfront for that consultation because you're providing your expertise to, to the client. Um, and you can you can weigh in on this. But as far as those examples that you gave, absolutely, I wouldn't be drafting something for the client without having them fully engaged and paying for it. But at the same time, there are certain examples that I could think of where uh, you can show them 
someone else's or a boilerplate that you use and and use that as a demo to say here this is what you can expect you know from me so for example i am a profit first professional and i help my clients implement profit first in the organization it's a cash flow cash management system to help you make sure that you're running your business frugally and and responsibly um so i have a a chart that basically shows your target percentages of where you want to be based on the level of revenue of your business. And sure. that's something that I can show them. I'm not actually doing, I'm not taking their numbers and plugging them in, but I'm showing them the idea of, okay, you know that you're a $2 million law firm. Let's look in the $2 million column and see where your percentages should be. And now just from rough numbers, we know that you're not there, you're off, and that needs to be tweaked and fixed. Ultimately, if they pay me to help them with that, we're going to get into their numbers and plug it in. So um, I think that there's that there are uh, certain examples where we could where we could do that. But absolutely, I, I agree that most likely you're telling them about it, and that can all happen in that initial consultation. Yeah, it's 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 really key. I mean, that you leave that prospective client very clear on what you have. I mean, the other thing that we talked about a little bit earlier that was by having this process, you're in the event you have other employees or other junior attorneys or associates having this process. Now they know also how to communicate and it's replicatable because by doing this and having the consistency and let's say if you, for example, you're a senior partner and you're working on begin maybe at the next level, you have your junior associates. They're taking the same process that was originally built and they're, turning it around. They're going through the same engagement. And that way, whether a client is working with two different attorneys, theoretically, they're getting the same experience, just like Starbucks. You're getting the same experience, but it's custom for that end client. Very good. So this covers the onboarding experience. What are the other things that we can that we can implement in the firm to create that customer experience because obviously the onboarding piece is just the front end and and that's your uh, I guess the, the first look that they get, so it's the first feeling, but then if you're dropping the ball the rest of the way, then they're not leaving happy. So what else can we, can we put in there to create that stellar customer experience? Sure. Well, when you think about two, there's two legs uh, effectively. We've got our client experience. That's everything that the client sees or that prospect sees. But then a term that don't talk about as much as your operational experience. What's happening behind the scenes, to your point, is that ongoing engagement. You don't want the balls to be dropped. And so uh, one of the things we work with organizations uh, to do is to document that client experience, that process that we talked about uh, earlier. The other area would be to document the operational structure to support that. If you think about this like a house, when you go into a house, you see the front door, you see what color it is, you see what the kitchen looks like in the interior. Nobody's looking to say, all right, what type of, what's the foundation made out of, or how's the plumbing structured? Is it good plumbing? Are we uh, uh, using modern building techniques? Or are we using ones that are outdated and out of uh, code and compliance? So that's, those are all examples of that operational experience. In your firm, your people, your operations people, your, your individual that answers the phone, your paperwork process, where's the, where is it dropped in, in process? And actually make a book recommendation. There's a book called The Checklist Manifesto. Checklist Manifesto is, uh, actually takes principles from 
OR and ER doctors and has a certain checklist process for their people to go through at each step of a patient's uh, engagement with the facility, with the hospital. In a law practice, if you have a client that is getting a specific type of legal advice or legal recommendation, what's the checklist behind the scenes that you can literally give to one of your operations people or your paralegal, and then they can take and implement, and you know each of those steps are still carrying forward as part of the out operational experience. Yeah, and I, and I love the example that you gave with the house. I would just take the example one step further to, to really hone in on, on what this looks like because somebody who's um, receiving the service from you, uh, you're going to question, well, they're not looking to, at my foundation, right? They, they have no business going into my back office to see how things are, how things are happening. When you're in that house that may or may not have good electrical wiring, may or may not have good plumbing, when you flush the toilet, you'll figure that out. When you yep. try to turn on the light switch, <laughs> you'll figure that out, right? So when people are interacting with your invoicing, your payment procedures, with you know, and they find it easy to pay you or difficult, or they find it a um, you know easy to get a communication from you that, that something has come due or they find it to be aggressive, abusive or, you know, or worse, non-existent where you're not telling them they owe you money. It's building a building. And then all of a sudden they have this big um, payment that they have to make to you. That's a huge surprise to them that they had no idea was there all because you don't have a process in place for it. So I think that operational experience comes out in different touch points that they have with you and then they they now know whether or not you've got your you've got your your house in order yep no, nobody wants an electrical fire due to faulty wiring or a leak yeah. due to faulty plumbing so again having those uh, underlying pieces in place they can make all the difference okay so you've got the onboarding you've got the operational experience and your your recommendation is to use a checklist to make sure that nothing is being skipped along the way and read that book, The Checklist Manifesto. What else do you think that somebody should have in place in their firm uh, for this stellar customer experience? I'd say the other areas outside of a process and outside of a client experience, I mean, we're forgetting one of the most important parts and it's your people. Again, engaging your people, engaging the team so that, I mean, again, this is having great core values, having a great compensation plan, benefits plan, all those things there. But what I found is that when you work with people, they, they want to be inspired, they want to be led, they want to be engaged and see the envision, but they want to be empowered to help to provide solutions. And by engaging your people, your, your back office, back end people that are responsible for checking the checklist and making sure all of your operational process works, so it actually enhances the client experience, bringing them in, asking them what problems we have and how to best start those solutions. And I'll give another great book recommendation as well. This is a book I read a, a number of years ago. It's how you can say anything to anyone. And the, and the entire premise of the book is all around asking questions. You're not telling, you're asking questions, but as leaders of organizations, we can often direct, we can tell, we can direct, and we, we basically tell people what to do without asking questions. You're pulling the, the answers out of the people, even though they know, and they know the answers. So pulling them and letting them really be uh, solutions focused. So now you create a solutions driven culture and you're empowering people to solve those without having to come to you, uh, the leader for all the answers. 
Very good. So we actually had a guest on this podcast. Um, it was Molly Hall. And I don't I got to look at it, look to see which episode number it was. So we'll I'll link that up in the show notes as well. But Molly is all about um, how to build the team that's going to be your, the front runner for you and is going to do everything for you. And, and it's not going to be trying to get somebody to do something they don't want to do. And she touched on some of these exact points that you're talking about with with the people that are in your office and your team. And it's very true. And, and I mentioned it earlier that that's why it's so important to have your mission and your vision really defined because you want to have people who are on the same mission who are going to be carrying the same torch for you so that every person that somebody every, that a client or or customer interacts with in your organization is going to give them the same feeling is going to provide the same level of support and service that you want them to provide that you that you would provide if they were coming to you personally no i i would absolutely agree i mean and your best customer, your best ex- client experience is your best em- is your employee experience. If you can have a great employee experience, to your point, Moshi, you're going to have a great client experience because the, the individuals that they're interacting with your clients and prospects, either from that very first phone call or that follow-up or scheduling a meeting or getting information or sending out even the invoice, that will drive your practice. And ultimately, if you're driving that practice forward, you're driving your client engagement and you're driving your revenue and growth. Great. So let me ask you this. Um, is there anything that you recommend that your clients do to go above and beyond to really like, let's, let's say that all these ducks are in order. Your onboarding experience is stellar. Your operational experience is stellar. Your staff, your team is right on point. They're, they're right there with you in the trenches on, on the mission. And so all of these are now perfect. Is there anything that you would add to that client experience that would just wow somebody to be like, this was totally amazing and I would love to come back and work with these people again? This may sound a little hokey and old fashioned, but writing a handwritten thank you note. If you get, again, it's, it takes time, but writing a handwritten thank you note, you can have everything else that happens. You can have, again, a, a, a great meeting, great engagement, but really what wows people, and again, often what's wowed me is that personal touch. We want to, con- I mean, the clients that I've worked with, we want to connect with people personally. We're having a conversation personally across the country, but still a personal conversation. We want to have that connection. I mean, beyond just a, a product or a process, that human connection, that human interaction, that's what's going to leave that lasting mark, that thank you, that engagement, that personal note that really can uh, put it above and uh, put it at an even higher level to leave that lasting impression. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to going above and beyond, like you, you can come up and I'm saying you to our listeners, you can come up with um, things that you think would be appreciated by your clients and, and your customers. Um, you know, for example, something that I don't do now that I should be doing is sending out a birthday card to my clients, sure. you know, in, in the month of their birthday signed by the people in my office. So not just, it's not just from me. It's not a, it's not a boilerplate thing, but it has real signatures on it. I think that would be, you know, just to, Hey, we're thinking of you and who knows, it may trigger a phone call. You know, I, I really needed to call you and I got your birthday card and it reminded me. And, you know, so now I'm, I'm getting on the phone with you. I could trigger more business. 
business. But um, it's again, it, I don't think that the purpose of the client experience is necessarily to trigger more business. I think it's to just create those advocates out there in the world that are going to sing your praises when and if there's an opportunity to do so. I would absolutely agree. I mean, again, we, you want them to drive your business, but they're going to do it because one, they believe in you Two, you've got that lasting story. And three, I'd say you have that personal connection. They feel like they can relate to you. You can relate to them. They know you. And so therefore it builds trust. Each of those items is building trust because we want to refer people to one we trust and we like, and that we think will actually help us. Okay, so having said that, I want to go full circle to something we talked about at the beginning of this interview, um, and that is somebody has now created this stellar experience, and they're closing out the, the file for this client. They're, they're, so depending on, on the process, they may be face-to-face with them. They may just, it may just come to an end. So they send the handwritten thank you note. Is there anything that you um, can recommend that they do in order to try to obtain a written testimonial from the client and or have them provide um, referrals to the practice because they're so happy. So, you know, uh, you said at the beginning that it should have a, it, there should be a process behind it. So this way it's you're making sure it happens. Uh, but we didn't talk about what that process might be. Do you have any pointers, ideas, recommendations for my listeners that can that they can take and, and implement in their practice that now that the, the experience is over for the client, this is something I can start doing to try to use this to my advantage? So to drive people is to do, again, prospect or client uh, reception. So again, you're bringing people and say, we'd like you to invite someone, a friend, a family member, a colleague. And that way, again, they're able to interact, mingle, engage with one another. And my, again, you're, you're there. You're, you're there to engage the potential prospect clients in the event you're having uh, a, a networking function and also or an educational function because again people want to come in and they want to learn and again you're that's marketing you're, mar- you're educationally marketing to try to find out and gather information what I found with the on the testimony side is and again it's, uh, probably a little bit different for financial advisors than it would be for attorneys but in the event you can have a closing question and say you know did you feel like this helped you do we help feel like this solved what your needs are and if so, how? And again, by just collecting or, or taking a note of that, and it's merely just a uh, final ask to say, I really appreciate you being open and sharing this with me. Would you mind if I, uh, would you mind if I took this or if I posted this or I used this uh, as we're looking to grow? And again, because a simple question and how you'd ask, how have we helped you? Uh, how have you found this of value? And then, then following up that, once you collected that, following up with that one question, allows for you to do it very non-threatening way. And your, your, your clients may actually appreciate knowing that this feedback actually could help someone else as well. Yeah, and you said something interesting, which um, I'm actually experiencing right now with a uh, financial advisory company, and that is to create an event for them to to bring somebody with um 
and it I, I think it needs to be you, you said it, educational networking i think it, it depending on your client base and and what types of clients you you are obviously if your clients are businesses then a networking event will be very valuable for them to bring other business owners to but you can simply just have a nice dinner at a restaurant Absolutely. somewhere. Uh, so my mother-in-law is trying to get me to go to a free dinner with her at a very nice restaurant right here on the river. Um, and it's it, it's a financial services firm that she works with, and they basically have put out an invitation. So I, I mean, I have no interest in sitting there, but I do have an interest in sitting with my mother-in-law and having a nice dinner. So um, you know that that will draw me to that to that conversation. And that's, you know, that's basically how you can do it in a very clean, um, non-salesy way where mm -hmm. you basically just say, hey, here's two tickets for you and bring two more people with you. And, you know, and and uh, and this way, you know, everybody brings a friend and by just by bringing you, you're, they're the client, they're bringing somebody else just by bringing that person. They've already given a referral without that without needing to say anything. They've already endorsed you. Yeah. With, with that, you're providing educational content and you're, you're educating them. And there may be some business that comes from it. There may not, but it gets to the whole premise. And again, a little bit of what we're doing today is content marketing. You're producing content that there's some value driven engagement for uh, a listener audience or a readership audience. And a percentage of them are going to take it to the next step knowing how they can connect with you, knowing that you've got really, again, clear value proposition, knowing how that you're, you resonate with their needs can help to actually to drive that business. And you're getting a more targeted prospective client than someone who doesn't actually resonate with what you're, um, what you're, the way you're structured. Right. Absolutely. And really important because um, some people forget this piece is if you do do an event like that, make sure that there's a way for you to capture everyone's contact information so that you could then follow up with them after the event. Um, and going back to systems and processes, all, you know, all of this um, is for naught if you collect that information and do nothing with it. So you need to have a, a process in place to then circle back and contact these people, even if it's just to say, hey, thank you for attending the event. We just want to remind you that we have this you know, opportunity or whatever to, you know, see if there's, if there's anything that we can do to help you, you know, and, and circle back that way, but definitely to be able to contact them. And if you have an email newsletter, you send out to be able to put their email address on that newsletter. And, and now they're seeing your name every week or every month or whatever the frequency is, um, you know, all of that has value. So, all right, this has all been great. Uh, Jared, I have a, uh, one last question for you, sure. and that is, do you have any parting wisdom or advice that we haven't covered that you'd like to share? Well, thanks for asking. I'd say the, road, the, the way to eat an elephant is ultimately one bite at a time. So again, if you don't have any of this in place, start small, start incrementally, continue just to build. And then also engaging with your fellow practitioners because again, the, the, the network, the body that you you have as, as attorneys and as professionals, you can gather a lot of invested information just by engaging with each other. That's great. And absolutely, I'm just going to echo that because every action that we take has to start somewhere. Uh, and I, you know, I tell this to my clients and, you know, on the marketing side, I think that they, they need to have this entire marketing system built out in order to get the machine going. And I'm, I tell them, no, just write one blog post, 
you know, mm-hmm. create yeah. for somebody to provide their information to you and start there and, you know, and then build off of that. So uh, same thing here. You know, if you don't have any of these processes in place, start with the onboarding. Just take a piece of paper and document what it is that you're doing. And just to remind you what those steps are, it's, you know, personal conversation, aligning your values, then the, the, your mission, who you are, and then the actual process that you're going to take them through. And then how do they get started, which is your close. Just start there and then you can just come back and listen to this episode over and over yeah. again <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. put the rest in place. So uh, as we close out, Jared, is there anything that you, any way that the, um, our listeners can contact you, check you out, um, see anything that you have to offer, anything you want to share with them as far as how to continue the conversation with you uh, once, we, w- once we hit publish on this? Sure. Well, again, they can always find me on LinkedIn uh, and, uh, and Twitter, but our uh, company website is www.herbersco.com. Again, we have a lot of content there directly on the website. And, uh, and so they can, they can feel free to access and engage uh, via what we have. Awesome. I really appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for sharing all of this with our listeners. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people who get a lot of value from this episode. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.